I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Welcome to To Be Honest. We are still on the topic of love. This is indeed a big topic. I dare say it's even bigger than the eight episodes I did on narcissism. In Dr. Sue Johnson's book, "Hold Me Tight," and I quote: "There is a wealth of scientific evidence." To show that having close ties with others is vital to every aspect of our health, mental, emotional, and physical. Louise Hockley of the Center for Cognitive and Social Neuroscience at the University of Chicago calculates that loneliness raises blood pressure to the point where the risk of heart attack and stroke is doubled. Sociologist James House of the University of Michigan declares that emotional isolation is a more dangerous health risk than smoking or high blood pressure, and we now warn everyone about these two. Perhaps these feelings reflect the time-honored saying: "Suffering is a given; suffering alone is intolerable." But it's not just whether or not we have close relationships in our lives. The quality of these relationships matters too. Negative relationships undermine our health as well. Unquote. Before I go any further, let's set the energy of this episode together. You may wish to put your hand on your heart and close your eyes. Unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery, take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let your worries go. Let your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart. And imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light. 
and know that you are safe. All is well. And so it is. So take another deep breath in. And exhale out with a sigh. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. Are you someone that is afraid of intimacy? Are you someone that is terrified of how loving you can be? And I'm not talking about just giving love. I'm talking about giving and receiving love. More often than not, we have been taught at a young age one way to express our anger or dissatisfaction with another person is to withhold love. You may find yourself facing an emotional stonewall from your partner, and you may wonder what did you do to deserve it. After all, withholding affection is a pretty cruel thing for your partner to do. Basically, it takes aim at our innate need for warmth and connection from those we love and care about. Now, emotional withholding is used by many people to some extent, but there are those who resort to it on a regular basis. Now, when that happens, it is a form of emotional abuse. Now, why do people do this? What makes them think that this is the right approach to take? Well, it's because your partner may withhold affection as a means to deal with a conflict or disagreement or dissatisfaction you've had. They fall back on it because they don't know what else to do. They never learned other healthier methods of resolving the inevitable clashes that occur when two people come together to form a relationship. And so they take the easy way out. Well, of course, this is human nature. They give you the cold shoulder. It doesn't really take much effort to withdraw their emotions because it puts all the emphasis on you to make amends. So in other words, they want you to approach them and apologize first. They just have to stick to their guns until you make the first moves of reconciliation. Do you know how many clients I have seen in my consultation room that they simply refuse to take responsibility for their actions or shortcomings? To be honest, I lost count. Hundreds, maybe, if not in the thousands, if I include my workshop participants as well. It definitely requires courage to admit to yourself that you did something wrong or that you have flaws. It takes many times more courage to admit that to someone else. Unfortunately, not everyone grew up with parents who have healthy coping mechanisms for dealing with the inevitable challenges that children pose. Some parents unfortunately resort to things such as emotional withholding in order to discipline their children or cajole them into acting in a certain way. Those children may then grow up, obviously, thinking that this is how you deal with people. They may become people who withhold affection from their partners because this is how they were treated as a child. 
And if you have listened to the eight episodes I did on narcissistic recovery and narcissism, I mentioned that a person's past, particularly their childhood, can lead to the development of a variety of maladaptive behaviors or even personality disorders such as narcissism. These people make the use of emotional withholding far more likely, such as narcissists and those with borderline personality disorder, for instance, have lower levels of empathy, and so they are more capable of behavior that causes hurt or distress in others. After all these years in my line of work, I have yet to meet someone that would say to me one of these days, I have a problem hating people enough, or I have a problem not being angry enough, or I have a problem being unforgiving enough. I'm still waiting. To be honest, I'm not holding my breath. Why is that? The simple fact that so many of us, we are terrified to be hurt. So we shut down. We are so terrified of loving someone so much, it empowers them. So we withhold love because we don't want to give them that much power. The truth of the matter is, we know how powerful love is. Well, we are back to the question that I asked. What is love? I touched on the ancient Greeks' different labels of love last week and the different love languages one can speak. Nevertheless, I'm sure this deep, rich mystery called love, what is this power? Why are we so intimidated by it? It's not just about giving love. From my years of professional experience helping many clients individually as well as couples to know, understand, and apply the art of giving and receiving love. And guess what? It has shown me that giving love and receiving love is the two sides of the same coin. And I truly believe that a lot of people don't realize it. They think they are separate but they are not. Think about it. Giving and receiving love are the two sides of the same coin. Another wonderful book comes to my mind. Tuesdays with Maury, authored by Mitch Album, and I quote, There are a few rules I know to be true about love and marriage. If you don't respect the other person, you're going to have a lot of trouble. If you don't know how to compromise, you're going to have a lot of trouble. If you can't talk openly about what goes on between you, you're going to have a lot of trouble. And if you don't have a common set of values in life, you're going to have a lot of trouble. Your values must be alike." Unquote. There you have it, my audience. I absolutely agree with Maury on this. People nowadays don't know what they want in a partner. They don't know who they are themselves. Don't get me wrong. I'm not referring to those who are not having difficulties in their relationships. Most likely, they do know who they are, what they want, and therefore, they know exactly what they want from their partner and relationships. 
I am referring to those who still have challenges in receiving and getting love. They are the people that have not examined closely who they really are. So how in the world can they know who they are marrying or dating or befriending? Not to mention the other variables that is going to affect the relationships, like each individual's mental health, their thinking process. These all play an important role in building a long-lasting, deep, meaningful relationship. No judgment there. We have all been in that situation, and that's why, by examining and self-reflecting on one's personality, definitely our ego, spirituality, and what goes on in one's mind. That is called growing and developing, and that is the main goal. Providing this is what you value in your life and want. My guess is that if you are listening to this episode, most likely that is what you value. Some years ago, I believe is roughly a decade ago, I read an article written by Dr. Stephen Stosny. The title of the article was "Anger, Men, and Love: Is Male Love Like an Old Worn Sock?" Interesting title. In the article, he wrote about the boot camps that he organized for couples who were suffering from chronic resentment, anger, or emotional abuse. And he said that participants access two fundamental elements of their core value. First, they judge how deserving of love they feel, and love is defined as affection, passion, and emotional support. Then they rate the value of the love they give. He went on to say that of the more than 1,200 men who have gone through the boot camp, most rate themselves worthy of love, while almost. All consider the love they give to be insufficient. In other words, they overestimate how worthy of love they feel. You can't truly feel deserving of love when you are not giving it, and underestimate the importance of their love to their families. So that means, on the surface, this tension between feeling lovable but unable to meet the emotional desires of loved ones can make them seem entitled, as if they expect to get love without giving it. Actually, he said that on a deeper level, it explains why so many men are emotionally withholding in relationships. And to be honest, I find that after a decade. This is no longer hold truth for just men. I see that a lot in women as well. So he went on to say, if you think of your love as a Da Vinci painting, it's a wonderful gift to give someone, right? But if you see it as an old sock, you wouldn't want to bother her with it. Instead, you might try to compensate for the perceived deficiencies of your emotional support with some kind of financial or service-oriented behavior. Unquote. Remember the、um, five love languages, and one of the languages is acts of service. A lot of men tend to speak that language. 
and they are likely to get resentful or angry when their family considers these inadequate compensation. Of course, if you are a man, anger comes from feeling like a failure as a protector, provider, a lover. And for a woman, would be different things. And these acute vulnerabilities can be stimulated by the mere unhappiness or displeasure of his wife or partner, even if her distress or negative states have nothing to do with him. And he is likely to blame his sense of failure and the feelings of inadequacy it stimulates on her or his partner. Blame gives him status as a victim. Victimhood gives him a temporary sense of self-righteousness, along with a retaliation impulse, which in turn stimulates anger. Now, the adrenaline rush of anger—it works the same for men or women. Like any other amphetamine effect, always crashes into some level of depression, at least in the form of self-doubt and energy depletion. They then uses a low-grade resentment to militate out of depression mood, to gain temporary confidence and energy. Resentment keeps them partially aroused most of the time and highly susceptible to angry outbursts. The excess adrenaline and cortisol in their bloodstream make it hard for them to sleep and more difficult to concentrate when awake. Often tired and distracted, they need more anger for energy, focus, and motivation. They get caught on a recurring roller coaster of resentment, anger, depression, resentment, anger, depression. You get the picture. Chronic blame keeps them mired in victim identity, which continually reignites the cycle. If they allow themselves to realize that they may be a victimizer, they sink lower, possibly into thoughts of suicide. So there you go, my audience. This is only a glimpse. It's the tip of the iceberg of the complexity of forever wanting and giving love. Let me end this episode by offering this suggestion: start small. Take the time to find out what your values are, and ask yourself these questions: Who am I? What is my definition of love? What do I want, and what do I want from my partner? What kind of relationship do I want? And if you find that you do withhold love at times, ask yourself: What are the reasons for me to withhold love from the people that I love? Of course, if you need further assistance, please feel free to contact me direct. So until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to be honest. Bye for now. You can find this podcast 
to be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www.drbarbarakiao.com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O. 